watching the GIA E3 newscast, a title we probably should have come up with before we filmed the first episode. I'm James Batchelor, I'm Editor-in-Chief at Games and Job Biz. Joining me today is Chris Dring, our Head of B2B at Games and Job Biz, which basically means that you run everything apart from editorial, although you do help out with that. Is that, that a fair way of summing up your many, many hats? Yeah, I mean, I mean, editorial reports into me. I just uh, have no power. Is <laughs> <It's> the, uh, <laughs> yeah. the way it works. Basically, basically you're, you're technically the boss, but I can say no. Yeah. Um, and chuckling in the background in the other quarter or third of the screen is our special industry guest, first special industry guest of the week, Grant Kirkhope, composer of many, many games, but obviously Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope. How are you, sir? Thank you so much for joining us. I'm very well, thank you very much. It's a good day today so far, so I'm all, I'm all happy today, as, as opposed to miserable most of the time. So it's uh, it's, it's good to be uh, jolly for once. <laughs> is it is it is it Mario and Rabbids related jolliness? Are you excited? It certainly is. Yes, I guess I'm so pleased to get it out there. You know, I can stop being a secret anymore. And um, yes, it was, yeah, it's great to get it out there. You know, you yeah. know, I, I got to, I got to score both the trailers, the gameplay, and the, and the cinematic trailers. That lots of time you don't get to do that. You usually often they get licensed music or somebody else to do it, you know, so it's nice to get us to do that. So, yeah, yeah I feel like I'm a part of the launch, which is nice. Well, you've become like, I just, I sat there, I was thinking about this, that you've pretty much been a fixture at the last like four E3s, haven't you? I mean, there was the Mario, first Mario Rabbids in 2017. And then I missed this one. James was there, but the 2018 where you're on stage composing, which must have been. Conducting. Conducting, sorry. Composing would be great. On screen, just grab the sheet of sheet music, frantically writing down. That would have been really boring to watch. I'm not very excited. That must have been amazing conducting, though, right? On on the stage. Well, you know, it was was fantastic that it all came off. But, like, you know, the the months before that were, like, fraught with, like, just nonsense that I wasn't expecting. Like, Mr. Davide Soliani, of course, you know, my mentor. you know, said so I would like you to write something for the, you know, for the launch of the Donkey Kong DLC. I said, oh yeah, fantastic. So that's no trouble. So I wrote something. No, 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 I don't want that. I want it all like um, uh, Fantasia, like every little Tom and Jerry, like every little thing had to be by the music. And I said, oh, all right, I'll do that. So it's complicated, lots of different time signatures, you know, all over the place to try and get it to match the action. It's all the mess, you know. So yeah, so and I'm thinking that yeah, maybe you should get a live band to play. And I was like, what? Like, are you crazy? Like this is, you never, that's, how are you going to do that? How are you going to get players on stage? And no, I want that. Come on, let's do it. So I've got, I talked to Jason Hayes, my friend from Blizzard, who has got critical hit, you know, and got lots of great players. I thought, well, they can play a bit and I'll put some in the background and it'll be all match up, you know, on a click track and all that. And then David goes, yeah, and you want to conduct it? And I was like, what are you talking about? I haven't conducted since I was like 18 or something. That's a long time ago, you know. So no, no, it'd be great. People love it. I said, David, it's a nuts thing to do. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. That's it. But oh no. <laughs> there you are. You do as you're told. <laughs> That wasn't how it turned out. And he's like, yeah, honestly, they're going to love it. And I was like, for crying out loud, if you told me that in the future, I might make the music a bit easier. Sorry, in the past, I made it, I made it a bit yeah. easier. It's like it was all over the place conducting the thing, you know. Yeah. And I'm for donkey's years. So anyway, anyway, it did turn out great. Google who'd have thought it. But the rehearsals were a disaster over that weekend before the Ubi, Ubi thing, you know, the the the, the, the theatre there. Yeah. It was a disaster every day. Something went wrong. All the, the headphones wouldn't work. Click tracks were going out of place. They started playing the wrong click track and the wrong track with our with our thing. So it was like the wrong music a couple of times in the race. It was just like I thought this is going to be an absolute unmitigated disaster. But lo and behold, it turned out all right. Yeah. So, yeah. That's what certainly from the, from the audience, it, it seemed pretty good. So yeah, no, I, I think I think you managed to pull that one off. Yeah, and then, so no, I won't be doing it again. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then and then the following year where I was at, it was Banjo Kazooie and Smash Brothers. So it was like. Right. It's like, and now there's Marion Rabbids again this year. So it feels like you're you're just basically a part of the B3 furniture now. It's uh, well, I guess I'm I guess I'm old enough, right? Bloody hell, I've been that many times. Christ, I'm you know, I guess I could be. Well, you know, it's so you know, it's nice to go along and have something to talk about when you get there, you know, kind of thing. So I'm Smash Brothers thing was super special because I think the fans went so mad for the Banjo Kazooie thing. Um, mm. I've never known people go that crazy. Like the whole, you know, watching the re- some of the real the reaction videos on YouTube still make me cry watching them because people went absolutely nuts, you know. Yeah. Um, so, like, yeah, and I talked to the, the Nintendo guys at the booth. I thought, well, I guess we, this is what it's like every time. So they're not really, you know. So a lot of the characters don't get that kind of reaction that Banjo got, I guess, because the fans were so starved after mm. Banjo Tui, really, you know, which is a long yeah. time ago that they just it exploded. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine how they react if Microsoft did something daft like make a new Banjo Kazooie game. Well, you know, who'd have thought? Uh, you know. I, I, as long as they bring it onto a Nintendo platform, I think. I mean, that's yeah. part of the thing. Like Banjo's has come back on Xbox. It's just not 
it's not done that well. Um, whereas Nintendo fans, that's where that's where Banjo's audience is, and that's where the disconnect is, I think. But yeah. here's here's hoping for a uh, nuts and bolts two being announced tomorrow and then coming to Switch on Tuesday. Well, the music won't be right then. Um, <laughs> Harry Potter's probably sparks of hope. Obviously, was the uh, I say I was going to say big surprise of the Ubisoft um, forward that was that we've just finished watching about an hour ago. Um, I, I say big surprise. It wasn't because uh, some poor, poor unfortunate soul at Nintendo pressed the button too early and the whole official website went live. How badly did your phone light up at that moment when it's like when when a new Mario Plus Rabbit is confirmed? I just started keep quiet it's you know i'm kind of i was embargoed until 110 so i guess that's my time at you know psd so i couldn't speak about it until 10 plus one after the the thing so i still really can't speak about it i've, I've got to yeah just, yeah of course yeah. i'm expecting a call from ubisoft's pr team in the morning right, I, <laughs> to make yeah. it clear to cake his listeners at home we we asked grant to join us on the podcast before we knew anything about the fact yeah. that was a game being announced so it was yeah. like let's just chat about e3 and you yeah. and um and and what's been announced but it was um I, 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 I look back to rabbit's king of battle like you know that all got leaked well before you know mm-hmm. yeah that's true quite a, bad, quite a bad reaction people thinking oh it's a crazy idea the rabbits and mario are going to be a disaster you know we, it kind of depressed the entire team because it was such a negative reaction to the thing and then when you when you were there chris you know when when uh when they announced it and it, you know and dabley was crying and we were all crying and it got such a positive reaction you know and yeah. we, at that point we were all thinking oh god it's going to be a nightmare and we, all, we all knew the game was great but when you tell somebody that concept of Rabbids and Mario, you just think, no, it's, a stupid, it's such a bad match, but it's such a great match. You know, Davide had that, the foresight to do it, you know, and all that, you know. Um, so I think that that crazy rabbit thing mixes so well with Mario and all the, all the rest of it. Like, Mario's sort of the straight man to those idiots, you know. So yeah. it's, um, it works so well. So, I mean, it was such a release that E3 when it got announced and everyone was like, oh, my God, this looks like a great idea and it, because it got such a bad reaction beforehand. But I think this time it's been... How on earth Nintendo? I don't know. <laughs> I guess we probably don't know how that works. Um, but I mean, you know, at least it wasn't it wasn't too. It was only only like yesterday. No, yeah. I mean, I mean, if I if you're like a normal, like if you, I mean, I checked online um, just before I went to watch the thing, and I went, oh, and I saw it then. Like if I hadn't have done that, most people would have watched this. That would have been the first time they saw it. And sort of a screenshot on a website isn't the same as actually watching it in in action that's for the real reveal i thought it was i thought it was great i love i mean i i'm i i was there i remember being there and i remember what an incredible reaction it was when miyamoto sort of revealed the game and oh, yeah. and, and um and i actually remember seeing you in the audience and tweeting oh grant kirkhope's in the audience and you messaged me on dms i was messaging you when we were sat there don't you remember we yeah on we're going is that you is that you <laughs> yeah and then you were telling me to be quiet and stop telling people you were there <laughs> Um, I remember it very well. Um, it was a great, it was one of my favourite E3 moments, actually. Um, but obviously, Davide, he seems to he seems to have got a bit of arrogance about him now. He seems to be full of himself on that yeah, video. Just uh, absolute diva. I mean, yeah, what a nightmare to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> that that relationship that you two have got is um, uh, delightful. Um, I think um, it's uh, you don't. Yeah. Really- and my wife says to me, you know, really, David is like your best friend these days. I said, he probably is. I mean, like, we just talk all the time. And, you know, think about David is. I mean, you, you just talked to him, Chris. He's, you know, he's a, he's a really genuinely, absolutely passionate, you know, guy about video games. And I kind of feel like, it's like, like in, in the, back in the Banjo-Kazoo, there's a teams at Rare. Everybody felt like that back then. And that's why I think why that, those kind of games and that kind of golden period of Rare back then were good because everybody had really had that absolute passion us against the world type thing, you know? And I think when you've got that in your soul, I'm not a great believer in that, but I mean, you, you, you can't fail but to make a good game. You've really got that absolute thing mm. where, you, just, you know, you're just almost too scared to break it, you know? And I feel like, like the Milan team were just brilliant like that. You know, mm. every one of them was like, felt that Davide passion, you know, I felt the Davide passion. And I mean, mm. I think it makes such a difference to when you're making something. I think if you all if you all like that, it just bleeds into the game. You can't help it. Yeah, a well, lot of people kept saying to us about my rabbits the King of Battle was like, it's such, it feels I can feel the passion in the game. You, you can't fake that. It's no. it, it just it's the way it bleeds in there, you know. I do actually think it came out in 2017, which was the same year Breath of the Wild and Horizon Zero Dawn and Mario Odyssey came out. And I actually think even the game's like the most successful third-party Switch game, I think definitely in the US, I think in Europe as well. 
And uh, so it's been very successful, but I feel like, uh, I feel like it almost got, it was so good. Like it's proper, in my mind, it's a 10 out of 10 or a nine out of 10 at least, but it sort of got drowned out by the fact that there was these three super games. There was like such an unusual year for video game quality. But yeah, um, Mario Odyssey, for God's sake, I mean, that is the, the, the prime Mario yeah. game. You can't get away from that, you know, and that's no. that thinking, oh, we're just going to get lost, you know, but with Mario Rabbids, it's kind of the first game. It's just kind of kept on selling for the entire time it's been out. Yeah. You know, it's, it has just gone up and up and up. It has not one of those kind of peak and then down it goes. It's just kind of gone like that, you know. So I think yeah. people discover it later and then realize that it's a great, it's a great replayable, replayable game. You know, it's got it's got a lot of fun in it. Mm-hmm. It's got, it's got a bit of tune by me in it, you know, etc. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a good Donkey Kong DLC. Um, the uh, yeah. you've worked because now you've done sort of. Uh, because this is it. Because I, I've heard stories, right? I'm not going to put words into your mouth, but I've heard stories about what it's like working with Nintendo. They're very particular, right? And I know that you worked with Nintendo years ago when you were at Rare. I suspect it's a bit different now. Um, but you've been based Mario and Donkey Kong and and Banjo, I guess, in Smash Brothers, working with them quite a while. Do you think have you got them? You got them? You got them nailed now. They know. Then you know what they like. You know what's gonna. <laughs> well, well, you know, for the, for the trailer for Sparks, I hope I had to do a little arrangement with the Rosalinas, the the conservatory. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, yeah Astral Observatory. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Galaxy. Yes, Christ, I might I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, so you know, I'm not to run through Koji Kondo again because I, I did a version of the, of the Castle theme from Mario sixty four mm. for uh, Mario. But you know, I still run. Mister Kondo's got to have his word on it. You know, and I, I did make a couple of mistakes like I usually do. So I had a little. Uh, I've had a little. You know, it kind of comes stuff to me. Uh, in terms of it was can you please change these notes I, I, got, I had to put a couple of it wasn't like it was wrong it's just sad to describe it but I had, to, I had the arrangement wrong again so you know it's you know those moments are super special thinking that Mr. Condor is actually you know you know he's he's you know he's a Jedi master I'm just a Padawan right I mean you know what I mean it's like to think that he's looking over my stuff is like it's scary but also my god you know he's like, he actually knows who I am you know it's like it's crazy really so did you watch the live stream at all or did you just uh, wait for the reaction no, no, I watched all of it. No, of course yeah. it Yeah. I, I didn't, didn't know what was going to come, but I didn't tell you that. I, I thought it might be the start. I didn't know it was going to be like the premium game at the end, you know, apart yeah. from the Avatar. Apart from the Avatar. Yeah. Avatar, I was, the Avatar surprised me, actually. Yeah, that, that would look fantastic. I thought amazing. Yeah, it was, um, I, you know, Rainbow Six, sure, lots of Rainbow Six. And yeah. Rocksmith, that's a cool game. I think that's fine. Just Dance, of course, it'll be there. Um, Mario and Rabbids had been leaked before, so that was sort of thing. And then they just went, oh, and one more thing, which I thought would have been Mario and Rabbids. And it was right. uh, that stunning looking, I think it looks stunning. James, what do you think? I thought, I thought it looked really good. Like, I, it was one of those games that's like, we've known it's existed for a while. Because like, you know, um, um, Massive Entertainment have mentioned the way they're working on an Avatar game for years now. And it was when it, it was like, oh, yeah, we haven't seen that yet. And it's like, yeah, it looks, it looks amazing. Very one of those kind of like CG concept trailers. We don't really get a sense of the game. But... It it looks like it. I, I, given massive track track record, it looks to me like it would be a good kind of multiplayer experience in the kind of world of Pandora. And like, as much as I, I enjoyed the first Avatar film, I don't think it's like kind of the the best film of all time. But visually, it is stunning, and it looks like yeah. they really nailed that kind of it's unique been, alien look. It's been year. I've been like 11, 12 years since Avatar. <laughs> I, I've forgotten let alone I've forgotten it all existed like, it was on the biggest movies of all time but I just latest film tie-in ever <laughs> but it's uh... it's a bit like Golden hasn't it coming out years after the movie came out it's like yeah, it's like... yeah. sort of yeah, took on true. it took on it took on a life of its own that game um, <laughs> it's like it's like but I'd always likened uh, Goldeneye the game to FIFA in that because um, FIFA right. the football game is, is nobody when you say FIFA everyone thinks video game right and um, and and uh, uh, even though it actually stands for the footballing trade, you know, in, in, uh, body. And um, uh, and then people say Goldeneye. You say it to somebody and that you can sit there and work out, are they thinking the film or are they right. thinking the game? And there is genuinely like, it, it, I find it alternates. When I talk about Goldeneye, they start talking about playing his odd job and I'm like, oh, no, 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 I was talking about the, the movie. It happens all the time to me. Yeah, yeah. It's wonderful, a wonderful thing. Um I, I, I guess I, I, I mean I guess we should talk a little bit about the Ubisoft press conference because I guess this is what the point Probably of this cast, the used cast is. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, um, but obviously Grant's here, so I'm conscious that Grant's not like he's not. He's, uh, uh, was there anything else that stood out for you, Grant? Was there anything else that you liked? You know, I think Ubisoft are a really strong company. I'm not, I'm not just saying that because I work for them. I really do. I think they they do they consistently have high quality products. I really think they do. And I know I know that what the ethos is like within the company. How they kind of you know. Do things. So I wasn't surprised that it would, it would look great, you know. 
you know, I must admit, I do like just dance. I think it's a great thing. And my kids used to play it when they were little, and they'd probably still have a go to it now if I got it out and I'd go on it. You know, they still think it's great. My wife was up doing it all the time. You know, and I know David and the guys used to look and let's just dance before. Like, I think it's a great thing. It's a great, fun thing when you're a bit drunk to get up and have a go, right? I think it's. <laughs> It was, it was, so just, just dance as a game. So obviously it was massive in the Wii era and then it sort of faded away a little bit, but it came back massively last year. I think because of the pandemic and people being stuck at home and they needing social things to do with their family, it was a real hit. Like it was bigger than a lot of the big AAA games they released last Christmas. It was huge. It, it was one of those blinking missed details. I, I was making notes at the time. So I, I believe, is this the first one, the first Just Dance that is not going to be on Wii? Because they've still been producing it for the original Wii over the oh, last few years, yeah. it was my understanding. And this is the first one that's only going to be Wii U and upwards. It's on Wii U. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's on Wii U, but then I know why it was still on Wii. So the thing is, the Wii, the Wii, Wii remotes that we're fun fact for for like three or four days early on in the pandemic, Wii remotes reappeared in the Amazon top ten charts. Oh, there was there was suddenly because loads of people just bought the Wii's right, stuck them in their cupboards. They just put out, you know, not real. Not 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 real gamers. They are real gamers, but not people that are active gamers. And they stuck. They bought it for Wii Sports, put it in the cupboard. And now the pandemic came out. They got them out again. They find their Wii remotes didn't work, and they well, they needed another one because they've had a kid since then or something. And um, it sort of came back. So you know, I can believe why you'd still support it because there's still a lot of people that bought that console that perhaps haven't bought another one since. But yeah, there's billions yeah. out there, isn't there? I'm yeah. I've got to say, like, what, what are your guys' favourite eating moments from the years gone by? What's been your thing you've kind of always remembered? What's it been? Um, hmm. yeah, <laughs> if, that- if, if we're talking Ubisoft stuff, like, I was quietly hoping this is this was one of the moments going back to the Mario Rabbits. This is one of the moments where I was kind of shamed that this is a digital thing rather than an event, a, 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 a physical event. Because I always Mario Rabbits always makes me think of rather than the game makes me think of that moment where you've got Eve Gilmo and uh, Shigeru Miyamoto holding guns on stage in front of the massive banner, um, right. and I just I always remember that I was quite hoping like if, if they're going to announce a new one like if, if the pandemic ha- should ha- hadn't happened what we should have had was Shigeru Eve. David Hay, you, and maybe Chen, Shintaro Furukawa, all up there with guns again, recreating that that shot this year. I think that would have been that would have been great. This is the real sign of what we haven't got this year. Well, no, that, that, sorry, that that thing when when, when da, David is such an emotional guy, he's a typical Italian, right? And like when he burst into tears, it, you know, I think that was a really brilliant moment. I really, I mean, so many people like commented about that, like whether they like the game or not, and he just he couldn't believe that Mister Miyamoto had said his name on a microphone live you know to him it's like it was the ultimate ultimate unbelievable compliment that even just mentioned his name and you know like those moments i think i just think i always think about that those moments just in games just show you what games can do to people and Mm. i just i always remember things little bits like that um that where people just go break down and cry whatever it is you know it's amazing well i mean i this is the thing like i when i watched e3 as a kid I say kid when I was sort of a teenager or early university years. I remember the one when Miyamoto came out on stage swinging the sword of Zelda and all those iconic moments. When I actually became, um, uh, when I started working for, uh, started going to E3, um, and it started becoming a lot of work. And it's, I love E3, I love the show. I, I just get very excited about it. I always do. But um, my favorite moments were always those weird small ones. I remember a couple of years ago, I interviewed an Activision exec, right? Cause I'm, I'm working the business journalism. We interview suits um, and they're, they're fine people, but they're not, the, not the ones of the passion. They're not the Dabba days. No. And um, I interviewed Eric Hirschberg, who's the Activision, uh, who's in charge of Activision publishing. He's basically number two to Bobby Kotick. And, um, and I started talking about the fact that Crash Bandicoot was coming back and nostalgia. And I meant, and I referenced Twin Peaks coming back. Cause it was a couple of years ago. So it's around Twin Peaks return. And he said, Oh, you know, I worked on, um, the marketing for the Twin Peaks back in the 80s, early 90s. Oh, wow. like, no way. And then and then the interview was 30 minutes. I was 10 minutes in. I never asked another question about it. <laughs> the next 20 minutes was me and Eric, like, connecting over a love of Twin Peaks. And it just, and it's those moments that I love. It was actually a really good interview. Like, I got away with it when I when I went back. But it was um uh, the uh, – I loved the last E3, which is quite quiet by E3 standards. Um, because, and actually, one of my favourite memories of that was that um, I went for dinner with the people that make those statues, first of figure statues, um, and it was um, a really – uh, really lovely chat with a load of people just talking very very excited about the things they do and then it was um we we went we you gate you i was actually invited but we get you gate crashed the frontier um right. party or it wasn't party it was a 
sort of bar they booked out a room where you can get a few beers and it was me you and andy and honestly that fit that just just doing little things like that is what mm. you know just can and then getting excited about the things that you saw and played and just you know gossiping about things that's what i love about e3 so when people talk about e3 moments i can talk about the time i walked with jack black or the moment kanye west barged in front of me in the queue all these little like oh my god moments um uh, uh the time i get a street past um miyamoto or stuff like that we've all got those sort of moments my i you know one of my funniest moments was um also at that last e3 when strauss i was in the toilet and strauss sonic was going for a wee and somebody came along wanting to shake his hand <laughs> it was a, of all people strauss sonic the ceo of take two he's not like you know and he just said oh i'm such a big fan and he just stood there awkwardly while strauss is trying to go for a wee it was the uh i thought oh e3 only um but um but there yeah, what about cover grant you've been to so many i mean i've seen the pictures on twitter of you and your rare days at the at the show um what uh you must have some stories you know i, I was just thinking about that so i was thinking the one issue that was was great but slightly scary was was banjo's when banjo got got announced whatever, 1996 whatever it was i think of that one there that's my first theater i went to and i was so i mean to me to be in america you know just with the rest of the lads you know at an e3 uh, with a game, and I was also doing GoldenEye 2, so I was also on, on both games at that time. They were both getting like a show at the E3, and I was, I was super excited just to be here, you know, and all that. And you know, just being in LA and drink, I'm going for drinking and all that stuff that you do. But I remember we had that thing where I probably told the story, but when we were staying at the Biltmore, we were used to stay at the Biltmore Hotel, uh, mm-hmm. downtown, uh, and um, we had a private meeting room in the basement somewhere booked out to meet with Howard Lincoln. Oh, um, uh, the old uh, Intel of America. Well, yes, of President, course. Yeah. He was like, you know, number two to Mr. Arakawa. So he's like a yeah. big deal, you know. And it was all about Banjo Kazooie. And like, you know, it was like what June or whatever it was. We were supposed to be out that Christmas for Banjo because Banjo Kazooie. And we all we all knew we we're never going to make it. There was no way we we're going to do it. But he just sort of, you know, he said he walked in. Everyone sort of went, "Oh God, here he comes." And we thought we knew we were going to get a talking to, you know. And he didn't really know we weren't going to make it because no one had told anybody that. So he just sat down. He said, "Yes, my name is Howard Lincoln. I'm the whatever it is from Nintendo America." Uh, we have five billion in the bank and no debts. That was his first opening statement. That sets his tone, doesn't it? Caught a few faces, sort of drains at that point, going, "Oh, we're going to get absolutely bollocked here!" Like you know, you know. So just, just, just to let you guys understand, you know that um, Nintendo have made you know certain commitments to uh, Banjo Kazooie for for this Christmas, you know, and it just reeled off. We've got we spent we spent we've actually spent twenty million dollars on an advertising campaign with whatever it was. We have another ten million on, uh, and it just listed these costs that they'd entailed already. So he said, you know, obviously you, you understand that it would be very bad if you guys didn't make it for Christmas, you know. Like he like, knew, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> well, we, were, we were just going, no problem, Howard. It's going to be there, you know. It's not a problem, you know, like this. All absolutely shitting ourselves, going, God, he's, if he knew, he'd, he'd shoot us all right now, you know, dead, <laughs> you know. And I remember we got back to England and like Tim and Chris stamp out to communicate to Nintendo that we weren't going to make it, you know. And of course, at that point, we were all safely at home, so there was no worries. Um, I remember Nintendo saying, "Look, what have you got that you, we could give us? We've got all this money spent. What you know? What could?" What, and they said, "Well, we've got this racing game, RC Pro, whatever it's called at the time. Uh, it's got all these rare characters in it, like Banjo Kazooie. You know, so well, look, can, just stick the Kongs in it. We'll have that instead." And so Diddy Kong Racing was like, you know, stick the Kongs in it. Yeah. Banjo's in there. We'll have that instead. They got all our advertising budget, sold the gazillion copies. They all bought bloody Porsches and all that, the rest of it. And like we were all sat there, really glum, going, "We just missed that by a mile." You know, yeah. <laughs> all that money that we, we could have had has just gone to the Diddy Kong Racing team. <laughs> but Banjo did all right. It did all yeah, right. Yeah, oh no, in the end, great. But I think it was just that thought of actually being sat down by Howard Lincoln, and he's a very straight talking, quite yeah. spoken man. There's no, not a flicker of any any emotion, yeah. just facts that you yeah. guys know. This is going to be really bad if you miss it. We've spent all this money, you know, and just to let you know how bad that would be. And like one of the, one of the guys at the program was Graham Smith. He was so frightened that he wouldn't go out that night. He just sat in his hotel room shaking. He literally he wouldn't come out with us for drinks. And, I, and I've got to think about it. Oh, can you imagine that happening now? It would be like, oh, uh, oh my was, God. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I'd. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine that because I, I forgot about Howard Lincoln. I can imagine what that was. Uh, I can imagine just exactly what just what, uh, I can imagine exactly what that would be like. Um, oh yeah, you read that game, the game over book, right? The game, what's it called? The Nintendo book about Nintendo. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's game over, yeah. isn't it? He's teaching that a lot, wasn't he? Missed him and Mister Arakawa literally went shop to shop selling the NES, didn't he? Like, in, in, yeah. you know, 
and did that that mask. And when they got that whole Donkey Kong thing with the MGM movie thing, that that whole story about how that MGM thought we're going to own the name. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Remember, and then they, they, but Nintendo knew it's public domain. And I think yeah. I remember the story where they had a massive meal. The MGM guys, I think it was MGM, was saying we're sort of going. Yeah, we're all sorted. We're going to keep the, we're owning the names. So we're going to get some of the game, the place of altars, all that kind of thing. And then this, he says they walk to the lift, didn't they? They're all shaking hands, all jolly. And just as the lift door is closing, Cardiff goes, actually, no, that's not right. We're not doing that. And the lift like, <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Because he knew it was public domain and he couldn't, he couldn't sue them over it. And they oh, worked wow. to, the to get out, didn't they? And he said, just as the elevator door shut, no. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Amazing. Some of the stories from those early days of oh, games development absolutely. art. I, I I had a call with uh, many years ago. I did a story about how E3 got started and um, some of the stories about uh, what um, went on between particularly Sony and Nintendo and Sony and Sega and all this kind of stuff in those early days was very similar, right? It was quite, it was quite brutal in a way. Um, but um, you'd like to think that's we're all matured a bit, maybe, hopefully. Um, <laughs> I must admit, I sort of feel that because they're all doing their own little things now, I'm not actually on the show floor. I, kinda, I, don't, I don't like that. I wish everyone was just on the show floor again not doing their own thing and all that, you know? Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah. And I think that's, I think the thing is the tr- tricky thing with E3 is justification. Like back in those days, right. You were on the show floor because you had retailers coming over going, right. What games am I going to stop? You know, what am I giving shelf space to? And, mm. um, and then, and then retails become over the years sort of less significant. And then, um, uh, and then it sort of media became the big thing. You know, uh, E3 was the opportunity to get games in front of the BBC and not, not just the gaming press, but all of the media. And nowadays, the BBC and those sort of places, CNN, and work, they actually have gaming reporters. And although they still will report significantly at E3, it's not the only time they talk about it. So the what the role of E3 has sort of become challenged as a show floor. Um, but as a week, which is what we're seeing at the moment, right? Everyone's announcing stuff. Everyone's gone together to do this, right. this big live stream. As a week, it clearly still matters. So I think it's just a case of that show floor working out what it's supposed to be. Who is it for? Um, is it for the media? Is it for the games industry to get together? In which case, it probably needs to become less like a consumer show. Um, or is it like game? Is it for gamers? And if it's for gamers, it needs to become more like a consumer show because everything's behind closed doors. Or is it a bit of both? Um, but I think I think that's the challenge is just working it out. Um, but yeah. I think I think everyone wants it. You know, I do these interviews at E3, and everyone who's at e- Bethesda and Microsoft, whenever I ask them about what do you think the future of E3 is, they they say the same thing you do. And they say people need to come together. This is an opportunity for us to show off what we've got going and it's just i think i think you're right i think i'd like to see that um continue because i think it'll be, i think e3's been with us 25 26 years yeah that's right yeah i gotta say i think my first e3 was 96 that's almost yeah. that, that was the second that would have been the second one i think um really? so it was i didn't know that at the time i just thought it was like it's been on forever i didn't know that <laughs> i think so. before then it was the c it was ces they used to go to ces oh, yeah. Right. And then, and then they went to eat. Then, then when the in the US, when the whole age ratings thing came up, and they and the ESA was formed, that's when they went. We might as well do our own trade show and come out of CES. I think, if I remember correctly, Sega were very angry with CES because they had a it rained or something in Vegas, and the, it rained, and because they were stuffed outside in the corner, it rained on all their Mega Drives or whatever it was they were promoting, <laughs> and they were just they genuinely were furious with it. And they said, "We need our own show. We're big enough." And that's kind of how E three was formed and now it sort of feels like it's under threat but you know it's this i'm watching i've been watching the live stream and it's actually i'm looking at it because i paused it it was there um <laughs> it's um it's been um it's been i'm quite impressed by how many people are watching actually it seems to be quite busy yeah, so, um, but i think back you know you know for like for me, me being a work as a developer at, at rare back in those days like to get to because where i used to always say if the game's unsure the whole team goes and that, that's very generous really because a, a lot of a lot of people just send one or two and i'll never say the whole team's going that's it to be over here and going out and drinking around night time and all that, just, you know, I feel that was a fantastic bond for all the teams that did it. It really was. And then, of course, it got a bit, in the Microsoft days, it started changing to, um, that they wanted you to work the show floor, so you had to stand by the machines, you know, and sort of advise people, you know, and that mm-hmm. got a bit like, well, it's a bit like working now. We don't, it's not as fun anymore. You know? <laughs> <laughs> do the work, but I'm not doing that, you know. And like, famously, I used to have a super long hair, and I, just, I used to sort of stand like this, you know, by the machine, and I never got asked once by anybody to show them anything. And they used to go, Grant, you look so bloody miserable and in such a bad mood. No one ever speaks to you. To, to, we do all the showing. You just stand there like a... <laughs> and don't, no one dares talk to you. You think you're such a bad... you got such a black face, like, my God, I hate it being here. But never, so you what's what you've been in? I just go, <laughs> go bugger off and go to something else. Yeah. <laughs> like that, you know? 
It's the first time I met Greg Mayles. Sorry for sorry. To be fair, I always do feel sorry for anyone who's working at a trade show like E3. So, particularly like those who are stuck in the same like booth or hotel room or cupboardless um, kind of room, yeah, like windowless room where they're showing the same behind the scenes demos like all week. Um, and then like just the amount of work that goes around it, like so. With Gamescom, for example, Gamescom is you know four or five days, and then there's a couple of days set up beforehand. But by and large, that that's kind of it. I remember the one A3 that I've been to. I think it was 2018. Um, the one time I've been, I was talking to someone from one of the platform holders, and they were like, they had been on in obviously like the week before to set up and rehearse and prepare everything for the show. Then they were kind of um, you know talking to the press and arranging demos and doing this all the week, and then the following weekend. Because the entire company, you know, like all the teams from around the world are in the same place, they then had a weekend full of like strategic company meetings. And it was something, it was something close to two solid weeks of working. And those are long days. You are on your feet the whole time. You're like, and it's like I do, I do pity as much as journalists can win to like, well, we've got to keep walking back and forth between the two halls. Like, yeah, but that, that's the, about the, it. The, the, slight, the slight difference with journalists is that I mean, I do know because I the rare teams still do that. They still stand on the they're still the people on the booth um doing the thing i think i think greg my first time i met greg males is when he showed me sea of thieves um on on, on the show floor but the um uh, i i was um uh, uh, the thing is different to journalists, I think, because it is a lot more exciting for journalists. We get to move about, we get to see people, we get to play the games. But for us, it's like when when the show floor ends, we don't then go to, for dinner and then go to the bar. We when the show floor ends, we go for dinner and then we go back to the hotel and then yeah, we write all the articles that we have to do, and then we then we're on the podcast and it's it's just like it's a bit relentless. But I, I, I say it's exciting and I miss it, um, and I, I think, hope it I comes think, back. Yeah, sorry, but when I think that, when I did when we launched the first UPL league. Like it was me and Steve Wales were doing all, and Andy were doing all the talking, right? So I'd never really done that before. So that was absolutely exhausting. Like I've never, those, you know, me and Andy sat in that booth and with Steve Wales and Andy showed the game, me and Steve did the talking. And like, it was nonstop every half an hour for the entire E3. And like, I've never done that before. And it was absolutely exhausting. Like, you know, I just thought you lose your voice, you catch the plague and all the rest of it, like you always do at E3, you know? And like, that was really tough. And I kind of thought, now I know what these people are going through because I, I was just kind of swanning around before thinking this is a great fun. I'm in LA, let's have a bit of a laugh, you know. But it wasn't like that. And, <laughs> and then I came back again for the for um the next year for, for ukulele again. So we actually physically launched in it, but as opposed to this church, you know, so did did that with Andy for two years. And I thought, I'm not doing that again, it's, it's too much. <laughs> Absolutely really exhausting. You just gotta keep you keep saying the same things every half an hour. You know, or fifteen yeah. minutes, whatever it is, with these with different journalists and kind of thing, and like it just get it gets absolutely really hard work. Like, and Gab Price is sat at home going, "Oh, this is great! The game's going great." <laughs> you know, like, you know, Christ, they've had to talk about you probably one more time, and Trump cracks some kind of joke with Steve. That's you know, it's you know, I'm just going to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Well, at the risk of kind of, because um, I, I feel like we can keep going down the, the, the rabbit hole of reminiscing about E3's past. Um, should we talk about the Ubisoft lineup again um, a little bit more? Just kind of, because I, what do you guys think of the, the overall lineup? Because Chris, you were saying on, on our kind of a, our Slack chat, a little kind of behind the scenes, that you, you miss weird Ubisoft. Like this, this did seem very kind of straight Ubisoft. And I think, as we were saying, like in kind of um, yesterday's show, that Obviously, there's no way of looking at any of these lineups and knowing what they should have been if there hadn't been any kind of pandemic-induced um, desi- yeah, like delays or, or cancellations. But you look at, I looked at Ubisoft's lineup tonight, and it's like, right, Rainbow Six Extraction, which is a game we already knew about and is kind of in redesign. It's the first time we've really seen it, but it's it's not a new property there was a lot about updates to you know established titles they're obviously doing more support for assassin's creed valhalla which is the first time they've done like a, a year two kind of support a lot of kind of seasonal stuff for rainbow six siege overall though it was kind of ubisoft by the numbers and kind of it, it, it kind of ticked every box of what you expect to see from ubisoft that was my that was my thoughts so I'll, I'll get yours chris um i i because the thing is i think games industry's changed right and mm. um these are they Ubisoft are still making Rainbow Six Siege, and they they released it years and years ago, and that's just the way it is. They service based games are the way they things are. Games are taking so much longer to make. Like we saw Mario and Rabbits, right? You know that game came out in twenty seventeen. So this is four years later, 
and it's not come out till next year. It'll be five years since uh, uh, we saw the game last. This is how long games are making. Is a Grant used to turn out games every three, four months um, in the nineties. I wish. <laughs> and and but it, so I kind of think we're heading towards that thing. And also, it's E three. Like the old. I remember. I get excited because I'm. I'm not. I'm not really into the sort of normal shooty bang stuff, right? You know, Goldeneye, Perfect Dark, you know, when I was a kid, sure. But I'm not really into those sort of things. And so when I see Ubisoft do Rainbow Six and Assassin's Creed and Far Cry, I sort of go, so it's not my thing, but it's what the gamers want. It's what the E3 audience want. And I feel that the days where PlayStation would start talking about their sales figures and then show off... um, wonder book right or or, <laughs> or move stuff or the i, 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 I kind do, of think those days are over and i think i do miss the sales figures i miss the graphs we used to get <laughs> graphs don't you miss the graphs <laughs> uh, well i do but i don't think i don't <laughs> think gamers do so i think i actually think i actually thought it was actually pretty good because like this is um generally i i thought they maybe spent a bit long talking about rainbow six i um, but i thought you know there's quite a few games there um i think if you're a fan of and also it's a thing like you know we watched um jeff Keeley's thing of the day and everyone went about how great it was but actually there wasn't a single thing in that presentation i was excited about and i've just watched the ubisoft one and I wasn't excited about most of it, but Mario plus Rabbids is one of my favorite games the last five years. So for me, the fact that it was announced of a sequel, even though I kind of expected it uh, at some point, um, I I was really excited to see it and it looked brilliant. Right? It's got the gap. I've only just, I only played Galaxy for the first time about six months ago. So for me, it, it, I was really getting a big, and I couldn't believe, oh, we've got Grant on the podcast and it just announced one of my, so I was like, it was the most excited I've been so far. So I think it just depends on who you are. If you're a big Rainbow Six fan, that was the best E3 press conference <laughs> you've ever seen. You know, if you're, so I just, I think it just, I think it's just the way the industry is. I was I was talking to a um, developer on. I was trying so so hard not to kind of do that thing that all of us do, particularly journalists, which is like put like snarky little tweets on Twitter, like doing you know doing the how hilarious hot takes. I tried my absolute damnedest not to do that, but kind of some of the stuff around Rainbow Six Extraction just kind of wound me up a little bit, purely because I I'm I'm a big fan of the original Rainbow Six novel. It's like one of my my favourite of the Tom Clancy novels. And the, the extraction is so, so far from the source material. It is absurd. Um, it seemed like Perfect Dark to me. Was it about aliens? And- yeah. Yeah. It was, it's, it, well, this, and there, there seems to be some confusion. Like, So originally it was, when it was Rainbow Six Quarantine, it was zombies. And now they're putting it Rainbow Six Extraction and it's about aliens and this, but zombie-like aliens. Um, like, so, but there were, there were still... <laughs> but there was a, there was still Ubisoft hosts apparently on a, a post show still saying it was, oh, it yeah, was, it was actually it was actually the E three post show oh, the E3 it post was show. just okay. normal it was just like a bunch of journalists right I, I mean okay. that sounds really dismissive of them I'm sure they're very yeah, brilliant yeah, journalists, sure journalists. They, they were, <laughs> it's just it wasn't like Ubisoft got the script wrong it was different but, people but, talking about but, I mean like, well, if you well, think well, like well, where the I was going to say, like, how hard is it to actually wow somebody with a game these days? Mm. It's not that, it's not that easy, right? You know, because everything's pretty much known most of the time. There aren't that many brand new things that keep popping out the woodwork, you know, that often. Yeah. So I kind of feel like getting a real absolute wow, like, I guess, like my rabbit's got the first time around, it's difficult because you just, you know, you, you people are involved in lots of sequels these days, and mm. the game can run for a lot longer than they used to do. You know, used to maybe do one or two sequels, and that was it. You know, like I kind of feel like it's it's just so hard to have people, especially like seasoned journalists like yourself, to get you excited about something. It's pretty hard, right? So yeah, I do feel for companies, you know, who maybe haven't quite got the game they want to have this year, but it, because it's running a bit late, whatever. It might be next year. Yeah, and they also and also sorry. But particularly for like a company like Ubisoft, Ubisoft are famed for their kind of technology sharing, and it's kind of become a joke in the late, like a lot of the elements across their games are shared across different properties. So you can kind of see the DNA of the past releases in anything new they they show off. So Riders Republic, that um, extreme sports game they were showing off, like a lot of it looks like kind of steep or the crew or kind of a mix of those, but then they were like elements of just in visual visually there were elements of kind of the far it, it looks a bit like far cry new dawn in terms of that kind of very kind of uh rustic kind of landscape with a lot of kind of neon paint it felt almost like watchdogs 2 style in terms of that trying to tap into the younger and it it all looks like a kind of an amalgamation of the stuff that has come before which makes it even harder to to make something wow because it's not a hundred percent new if that makes sense i also think for ubisoft in particular 
is that they got into a situation and the companies do this all the time where they've just announced a little bit too much stuff too early. Yeah. So they've got to the point where games got delayed because of COVID, but games also got delayed because they just got delayed. And we've got to that point now where uh, we're kind of showing the same thing. Sony did it last generation. Like they had the really amazing E3s, like three on the trot. And then the other E3s just became repeating what they'd shown um, the, in the previous years because they sort of hadn't really got around to releasing them yet. And it's just, I think it's just the way game development is. It's so hard to predict. You want to get people excited so you tease a game at the end of it and then you release it five years later. <laughs> so it's... it's <laughs> Don't, don't you think? I always think to myself, the game just get just get announced too early now these days. You get, you know, you're, mm. the game will be announced it'll be, and it'll be out next year. I kind of yeah. feel like should they just wait till that year to announce it? That would be yeah. much, much better to do that. You know, well, the way it works in movies, right? And then Marvel will announce they're doing a. Uh, I don't know, the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And then that's it. Just, we're doing the Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And then they won't say anything more about it until the movie's basically been shot. And then they'll show a load of it uh, at a Comic-Con, like six months, maybe 12 months before they actually release the film. And and I think I think that's probably where we need to go. It also helps manage sort of, sort of crunch, I guess, where you're not trying to rush mm. everything. You know, you can announce the games. Like Mario and Rabbids, the first one, was announced in June and released in August, right? And it worked very yeah. well for that. Um, yeah, yeah I, I like that that you when you can because then it's a bit of a surprise right? so you're like oh my god you're, you're, you can't believe this is coming out you know I like it to be like that I feel like sometimes this, this game just getting out to be a bit too early I guess it's it, maybe they haven't got anything for the fo- to show until they've got to talk about the next year's game because they haven't got anything else mm. to show this year's E3 so I do I do feel yeah. like games announced a bit early these days so it's always a new way I feel like Bethesda used to suffer that the worst. So like, um, it worked brilliantly for them with Fallout 4. Fallout 4, they announced, and then six months later, it was out. And that worked brilliantly. Like, you know, you've got sudden build of excitement, you know, sequels to, you know, the really kind of popular Fallout games. And it was out, and it went down really well. And then they obviously grew to the point where they were doing their own E3 showcase every year. But obviously, like, they're not, they weren't as big or as prolific or um, a publisher in terms of how much they put out as, say, Ubisoft or EA or, you know, Xbox and Sony. And he got to the stage of, like, they announced, like, Starfield and Elder Scrolls 6 a couple of years back. Those are still years away. And yet there's that expectation because they announced it. I'd agree too early. Another thing, though, another reason why they do announce stuff early, though, to sort of add a bit of defense, like Grant, Perfect Dark was announced, like New Perfect Dark was announced last year, right? And um, everyone got really excited about that. And that game is years away, right? You know, it's like, I'm not even, but the reason why they announced it is because they want people to join the studio. They've got a new studio. Nobody really knows what they're working on. I think Fable was the same. It's Fable last year, similar thing. They kind of said, Come work for us. We're working on Perfect Duck. And that is sort of what that, that trailer was. And um, and then we won't see it for a while. Um, but it does sort of ruin the surprise when it's, you know, I, I love it. Nintendo are quite good at announcing late. They don't do it all the time, but they often, it's not unusual for them to go, we've got a game like Mario and Rabbids is a good example. Um, we've got a game and here it is. Um, it's out in a couple of months. They, they used, for them, they used to announce games in June and release them at Christmas. That's their, that was their thing for a good few years. But um, I was say, here's the game. It's out. You can go and buy, you can order it right now. You can go and buy the shop right now. I mean, that would be amazing to go, I can go and buy this right now and play it. Like, that's, I do that. that's something you more get from the indie space though. So, um, yeah. I believe a couple of it. So earlier today was the Wholesome Direct, which is um, a kind of a, a stream by a, a group who kind of focus on the kind of the more the wholesome, the non-violent, the cosy sort of games, not the typical AAA stuff. Um, and a few of those, my understanding is that a few of those were like, you know, hey, this is a game that we kind of announced a while back, we've been working on it, and it's out now. Yeah. And it's like, that's quite cool. That's a really cool little, yeah, little moment. You did that. You mentioned Fallout 4 E3, which was, all, I remember I was being there. They announced the Fallout Shelter game yeah. and they released it the same day, which was the the thing. It does happen, but it doesn't happen with the big, like no. nobody's done it with like Zelda. <laughs> it's, it's Tetris 99 was one that for me, which is one of my favorite Switch games, which is the Battle Royale Tetris, which is who thought yeah. of that. That was announced and released at the same time because mm. nobody's going to leak it, right? It's just not the That's sort the of thing. thing. Yeah. It's I guess not you're the sort of thing that's going to leak out. You're limited. You can only really do that with digital only games. Because physical yeah. games, there are too many people involved. Like you know, the production of you know the the disc, the packaging, getting it into retail, sticking it in the yeah. You know, you're not going to have. You're not going to be able to have it in stores around the world. And every single member of staff at all these stores, retailers, like oh, I can't say anything so, until we kind of rush out and put them on the shelves because it's just gone live. I think if yeah. there's one company that could do it, it's probably Valve and Half Life. They yeah. could probably go. Here's a new Half Life game. You can buy it now. Download it on Steam. I think they could do it. Uh, I don't yeah. know if any others could. 
Well, his, they, they did say that there's like there's some sort of tease, like some sort of special message about the you know the future of Valve, like um, at Steam Game Fest at like the end of the week. So uh, maybe maybe that's that's Half Life. Maybe Half Life Alex was just a kind of little tease, little prequel for the Half Life Three they've been working on all along. If you played that game, it's brilliant. No, I have not. No, no, yeah. <laughs> I do want to. I do want to. Um, yeah. Well, well, so actually, what what do you think about like for instance again, like Perfect Dark? It's an old IP from a long time ago. Do you think? Anybody apart from people of a certain age know what Perfect Dark was originally. Like, how many people remember that for what it was? I want to. I want to buy. Yeah, it's a good question. I I, I always wonder about that. Like, you think, yeah, Banjo's an old game. You you always think, is is the audience still there because they've all maybe moved on or got older and stopped playing games? I don't know. Whatever. It feels. It seems like I don't know about that to me. Well, it's it's interesting. So. There is an order. So we've got this nostalgia is a big. I can I can talk for ages, Grant. Sorry. Um, nostalgia. Don't we know? Nostalgia is. Um, I, I did a bit of done a lot of research into this. So nostalgia is very popular. For, they tend games from about twenty years ago tend to come back. Uh, back. So when people are in their mid thirties, right? They're missing. They're missing their youth. Right, they missed the days when they didn't have kids and they had a bit of time for themselves. And then suddenly, that get that film, that Ghostbusters, Jurassic Park, like I came back. You know, X Files came back. Uh, those things from the nineties. It was the in the eight was eighties, early noughties, and then it was in the it was sixties and the nineties. Right, it was things like Austin Powers. You got these sort of um, people going, "Oh, hang on, when I was a kid, that's what I used to watch. Oh, uh, that's what I sort of sort of stuff I used to like." And so when you do a remake like a Crash Bandicoot remake that happened and sold incredibly well. It's because it appeals to those sort of older people wanting to relive their youth a little bit. Um, when you do an entirely new game based on a really old IP, you're effectively doing a new game, right? But just trying to sort of base it in the past. And I do what I do. I do. I've not. We've not seen much success with that. Genuinely, like um, it's because. Um, uh, you're right. The people that are excited, Time Splitters, they announced the you know it's yeah. sort of similar. They just announced that, and I'm I, I sit there and think I'm up for Time Splitters, and I feel like it's a sort of game that would do well today for a new audience. But for anyone that, but I don't know is you you know do you have your caught between that world of trying to please people that you know the I don't know how many million two 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 and a half million people that bought, bought Perfect Dark on the N64 right at the end of its life cycle required the expansion pack and all that kind of stuff and. Um, uh, you sort of got to appeal to those sort of people because that otherwise why bother calling it perfect dark. Um, and then you've got, um, then you've got obviously, but you, that's not enough for a modern game. Um, yeah. So, you know, you need, um, how do you know? So it's, I'm delighted it's back. I'm glad they're investing in it. Um, do I, but I have to say this though about perfect dark. Sorry, I'm waffling, but it is oh, got it is Daryl Gallagher's studio and Daryl Gallagher rebooted Lara Croft and Tomb Raider yeah, yeah. perfectly. That was that was an amazing reboot. It felt really fresh and new. If you're a fan of Lara Croft, it, it, you'd be delighted. But I had never played a Tomb Raider game properly before that game. And that was the first one I played obsessively. And now I'm a Tomb Raider fan. So if he, if he can repeat the trick with Joanna Dark, <laughs> then great. Uh, I look forward to it. No, yeah, well, I, I, I feel totally like that. I, 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 I'm, I want to see it. I want to see how it turns out. You know, um, I think Joanna Dark's a great character. I really think she I think and the gadgets were great. And it was just like, it was, I think it's a great game, you know. Um, yeah. And I wish Chris Siever's perfect dark that he was working on was was allowed to go on and come out. That then it would have been an awesome game. He had a real great idea for that. Have to look at Johnny Dark, you know, on that on that game. Um, yeah. But I just I sometimes wonder, like looking at Banjo and all that, is there an audience still there? I wonder about things like that. I, I always think um, about. It sounds like a great idea, but is it? You know? I think I think because the thing is, Banjo Kazooie, they did a HD sort of remaster of that game for the 360 and they've poured it over to xbox one i think a pretty safe thing to do would be to properly remake that so i think you're going to hit you're going to hit a couple of million sales to that and it's not going to cost you huge sums of money because you're not sort of deciding from you kind of are but it, it, you've got the template and the basis there so you've got a lot of the works done before for you um crash bandicoot spyro the dragon all those games that sort of were remade tony hawk's pro skater last year they did really well. They certainly made their money back. So it's it's. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Would a Banjo three? If they threw that in now. Would that do well? I, I don't know. And I think yeah, you almost need it. you almost need to re-engage and restart it rather than rather than, which I think I suspect Perfect Dark's going to do Beyond Good and Evil two, which is the thing that wasn't at Ubisoft's press conference and was announced like twenty threes ago. Um, was is a similar thing. Like I thought to myself, the first Beyond Good and Evil didn't sell very well, <laughs> you know, and it was and that game was. What, 2005 or something four three something like that it was, it was 20 odd years ago and um 
you think, well, why bother doing a sequel to that? But they're doing it as a prequel. They're basically they're basically taking the idea and starting it again. And I, yeah. that that could. Yeah. Be. But then I then I, I always point to um, Mirror's Edge. Like I, I I equate kind of Beyond Good and Evil and Mirror's Edge as those games that came out, reviewed well, didn't sell particularly well. But there seemed to be this very kind of vocal minority who want a, a sequel and want want more of it. Long comes Mirror's Edge Catalyst, which was a a remake slash prequel it wasn't a direct sequel it was like a reboot as it were didn't sell enough and mirrors is just once again on hiatus the difference with mirrors edge though that game didn't have any nostalgia to it right no it's it's you know you're only appealing to the same audience that you bought before whereas um you know you're gonna get like i I, you know i'm gonna buy perfect dark because i used to love it when i was a lad and it's like i'm not gonna go and get if they i don't know what was a game from four or five years ago that i played and was poor well that's all right i'm not i'm not gonna I'm not going to have that. I don't have that kind of thing. So it'll be interesting. Um, I'm excited though. It looks, I mean, the trailer looked great. And no, yeah. Honestly, I love the way they, they got the data dancing and all the rest of it. I thought it was great. And it just it appealed to me because it did it, you know, and like yeah. so I thought the, the, the feel to me was, was right, you know. So, you know, it's always about the, it's always about getting the right team, right? You know, I kind of feel like, you know, it's going to, the team's got to get what it was in the first place. Like mm-hmm. a band just or they're able to do it, they'd farm it out to somebody else, you know. So you need to get what it would be, or what Perfect Dark would be, or what uh, even Pinata, whatever it is. You, I feel like you need to get a team who really likes that game a lot and really gets it, and then they'd, they'd probably do a good job of it. But people who's kind of get given an IP to play with, I don't think it's going to be very good. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, I'm, I'm hopefully, I mean, the thing is with Perfect Dark, it was a really old game, right? And it was it was funny, and it was it was just it was it was all those sort of things and. Interestingly, Perfect Dark Zero, I think, is my least favorite rare game yeah, of all sorry. time, right? And that's saying, and that's you know, there are some, they've not always been amazing those games. Um, no, and it's, uh, that, yeah, and we all knew that wasn't going to be great, even for the we all knew it from day one, really, yeah. um, for, for various reasons. So it wasn't surprising that it came out, it wasn't so great, yeah, yeah. We have once again forgotten to have a timer running, yeah, during this episode, <laughs> uh, despite the fact that I have a clock right here. <laughs> Um, so once again, this has not been a particularly short show, uh, but we will wrap it up there because we want to keep these vaguely digestible. Grant, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Thanks yeah. for asking me. I'm, I'm honoured to be asked. Last kind of question. On the game. Last kind of question. Is there anything you are particularly looking forward to for the rest of E3? Anything you're kind of keeping an eye out for? Well, you know, Breath of the Wild 2, I would love to see that. Say, it's here it comes, it's, get a release date for it, that would be awesome. So, And it's out now. <laughs> it, well, I mean, even if it was out by Christmas, for, for God's sake, I, I just, I'd like to get a date to know when we're going to get it, like as opposed to it's coming. I want to know when it's going to arrive, you know, I'd love yeah. to know that. I want to put a cat. First time I ever had a countdown for a game was uh, Perfect Dark, actually. Oh, really? So, yeah, I, I remember that very well. Sorry. Well, fingers crossed for you for Tuesday, Grant. Um, Chris, thank you very much for joining me. Obviously, uh, we are going to be back tomorrow, likely with uh, the Xbox and Bethesda roundups. Plus, there have been a, a few more showcases, so we might be talking, touching on the, the big announcements from Devolver and Square Enix. Until then, uh, you can find podcast versions of this if you so choose. If you want to hear it again, or if, if you've got all the way through all this and just have been ignoring us because you've had it in the, on in the background, but actually want to go back and listen to what we've said, we're on the podcasting platform of your choice. Uh, we are going to be doing these almost every day, pretty much a week. We've got um, a range of industry guests coming up, so keep your eyes peeled on the YouTube channel and all of the news from E3, Summer Games Fest and all the events going on can be found at gamesindustry.biz. Bye.